What's up? My name is Vince Wolfram. I'm Dylan Carwell. Welcome back to another episode of Big Talk. Where we take small talk to the next level across the worlds of sports, lifestyle, and everything else under the sun. We got episode five here, and we got a lot of college football. The moments we've been waiting for, the college football semifinals, they went down New Year's Day, and we've, we've got stuff to talk about. Yeah, we, um, we can start with the first game, Michigan versus Alabama. Michigan came out on top 27-20. Yeah. What were your takeaways from this one, Dale? Uh, as an Auburn fan, I was – I was so invested in this game and I was so scared because, you know, the SEC's Alabama, you know, uh, keeping a danger team like Alabama that close the whole game out, there's just no way they can lose this close game. Uh, but they somehow pulled it off. After that first possession, after the first play of the game, J.J. McCarthy, it was an interception. First play of the game. I said, oh, my gosh, Bama's going to win the Natty. Like, I <laughs> was doomed. I was upset. I was frustrated. Then uh, they get they get shut out or whatever, and then they shut them out. You know what I'm saying? Three and out. And then they muff the punt. I'm like, oh my goodness! Like I got flashbacks to the Iron Bowl. <laughs> so that was exactly what I was gonna say. I had so many. Oh crap! It's happening again. <laughs> Literally, I was like, Bama just. I was like, Bama just can't lose. And I said, Michigan just was not ready to play. And it was it was it was sad because that defensive line, that front four that Michigan put out there, that first half, they were cooking Bama's O-line. That's something you don't see the pocket collapsing that quick. They yeah. had four sacks in the first quarter. It was insane to watch them put on a defensive clinic when the offense just was not there. Thankfully, Michigan was able to get some momentum towards halftime. Uh, they go up 13, uh, I want to say 13-7, 13-10 going in the half. Uh, obviously, that, that missed extra point. I was just like, look, Bama just can't lose. And it almost came back to bite them in the butt because the score was 20 to 20 going in overtime. Could have been 21 to 20. Mm -hmm. uh, Michigan had a lot of mental errors, a lot of errors, but they came out on top. But it was an exciting game. Um, outside, of, outside of the Texas-Bama game is my candidate for game of the year as far as how much it tugged in my heart. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same. I thought it was an interesting <laughs> game from kickoff to final score in OT. Um, I thought there was a lot of times where you expected Michigan, you were waiting on Michigan to make that mistake where Bama would go and they would capitalize, mm -hmm. especially in the first half. Like you saw it, the interception, you think Bama's going to go down and score the missed yep. field goal, the miss extra point. There's like these little lapses in Michigan where you thought, oh crap, this is the moment where Bama is going to step in and do what they did against Auburn. It, you just had that feeling like it was going to happen the whole time. And even in the fourth quarter, it felt like Jalen Milrow was going to, have his moment. He was going to be in control like he had been the majority of the games this season, in, yep. especially in the fourth quarter. Um, yep. Or Michigan, I didn't feel that way. I thought they were consistent all game. Um, I thought Blake Corum was a monster uh, mm -hmm. on the ground. And it was honestly the play on third down, the pass to number one, where he got up the sideline after the flag, um, yep. after the push in the back, after it took him back 10 yards. Um, and they, they rushed him a couple more times, and then he was the one who scored. Yep. So it was – I thought that was like, oh, goodness, that's a big momentum switch. And then when Bama got the ball back, they had real trouble driving there. Talk about that catch. Uh, I think it was in the final drive for Michigan before overtime. The defensive lineman tipped it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a big catch. Yeah, you know? and it went – I mean, he's not – wasn't a big guy either. It went 
tipped up. It tipped yeah. higher than it should have been. So who knows exactly. what would have happened if the ball didn't get tipped. Literally. So, and, and for the wide receiver to be able to jump and catch it and keep it from being intercepted and keeping the ball alive, keeping the play alive, keeping the drive alive, it was just something like, – it was it was a magical moment. And yeah. it was a great game by both by both teams. Um, but good grief. Like, that game could have went so wrong for Michigan in so many ways, especially with the push in the back. It was yeah. the most obvious push in the back I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> and then he put his hands up. I'm like, golly, he'd be a yeah. Head. And the other the other play I thought that was crucial was the kickoff when Bama didn't get a first down. They punted at the very end of regulation and tried to pin Michigan in their own territory. And the guy fumbles the ball. You're like, you have one job. You just need to catch it and sit there. And he was, I mean, thank go. God, thank God for that kid catching it and staying out of the end zone. I mean, you already that. dropped the ball, so your mind's probably scrambled. But the fact that he was able to forward progress himself enough to stay outside the end zone before he got decked by every Bama defender that was right there was crazy. And I can't imagine a Bama fan that looked Oh, like, my goodness. That looked like a safety so bad. I was so like, bad. Oh, my gosh. They get two-point <laughs> conversion, and hit the ball back. Mm-hmm. Like, the game was over. 20 seconds left. I was like, this is over. This is the worst game I've ever seen in my life. Michigan. Yeah. The class uh that would have been really bad for harbaugh's um legacy if he were to lose that game in that fashion and it, yeah. it wasn't even anything that he was doing there was no bad play calls in my uh, oh yeah the um they had a lot never of, mind. yeah never mind going back there's a lot of risky play calls now that i really yeah. think about it, fourth down it? on their own 30 what about the play where they, they, they this one was successful it was like a flea flicker the running back took it to the and right and threw it back to Danny McCarthy, one-handed grab, mm-hmm. pressure coming, almost a sack, throws it going backwards. That like that play could have gone bad on three different occasions, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they tried again in the second half. It was a quick flea flicker. This play is the play call was not wrong on anybody's behalf except the offensive play calls because the the they they sent a blitz. And the blitz came at a perfect time where the running back saw. He said, I have to get it back. So he just tossed it, obviously short-armed it. And that was a third – that was a second-down play call. Yeah, second what and long. What are you doing on a second-long on a flea flicker? Like, what mm-hmm. are we – obviously, I, I watching the replay, they had a guy open about 20 yards that way, and they had one over the top that could have been a touchdown. Excellent yeah. play call. But that's something you run in a bowl game. That's not something you run right. in the CFP. Right. So, that would have been if, if Harbaugh would lose that game, they would have had eight straight losses in the college football playoffs, and that would have been awful to see. Uh, Chris is a great coach, great NFL coach, great college coach, and someone who had an undefeated season up, up into this far, his legacy be tarnished because he can't put it together in the postseason. And especially how much they've been talking about him potentially leaving. I saw the the rumor about Michigan offering him a ten year contract, two hundred something million dollars to make him stay, and then old enough to where he couldn't go to the NFL after. A play like this, a game like this, where you go and beat one of the most legendary coaches of all time and Saban on a Bama team that is coming off a hot win against Georgia, to come in and put a stop to that, especially against your track record in the past where you haven't been able to win that big game, I thought it was huge for Harbaugh, huge for McCarthy, and huge for their confidence heading forward. Um, Let's talk about the last play, though. The last play Bama had, uh, fourth down, in the red zone, overtime, game on the line, well, and you, you call a QB draw on fourth feel, and three. Did you feel confident when it went overtime for Michigan? Did I feel confident in 
Michigan, did you feel confident from Michigan going in overtime they're going to win this game? I felt confident. I mean, it only took them two plays to score. It took them one Blake Corum run up the gut. They went in overtime. I didn't think they had enough momentum to win that game. I, was, I didn't trust the pass game in overtime only because the receivers dropped out three or four slants. Oh, the whole. goodness. They kept dropping easy third and longs, easy second and longs, pinning themselves back. And I just wasn't confident in the passing game. Granted, their run game somehow was unstoppable, took two run plays, which right. is rare against defense because de- rare against Alabama defenses because they're known for stopping the run, exactly. but not today. Uh, but I wasn't very confident in mission going in overtime only because it's Alabama, dangerous team. You have Jalen Miro who can run 20 yards in, t- in, in, in 0.5 seconds. Yes. It's like having a Maserati in your back. <laughs> and they didn't put a spot on the whole game, literally. He yeah. was just was Corvette, Corvette. You know what I'm saying? He's <laughs> gone. And I, I just wasn't confident in that. But uh, like you said, the last play, uh, looking back at it, it wasn't a bad play call. Because someone else explained it was an RPO, yeah, which you don't know is a run pass option, and they broke it down. Um, the running back who ran, I guess, past Milrow was supposed to run a, 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 a wheel route, and there they uh, Michigan was a man, and so they had two receivers blocking, and they had two corners that were getting blocked, and there was no one that had the running back. So if it was a run pass option, he if he had a good snap. He looked that way, but by the time he looked that way, the ball's on the floor. I mean, you have Michigan who's been on your tail the whole night. You're a scared, you know, you're scared poopless. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, he had to get that ball off, and obviously he didn't want to risk passing it. But if you look at the play call, that running back had an easy touchdown. And yeah, I agree. I don't think it was poor play call. I think it was just poor execution. The snaps yeah. have been low the entire game. I think you expect the Jalen Hurts back there who squats six feet down to just to catch the snap, like right there. But he doesn't have that. He had Milrow, who's a stand-up guy. He wants to make a play athletic as soon as he gets the snap. And the snaps were low all night, and Milrow never seemed to really be able to, to adjust to that. And you saw it on the last play. Stayed consistent with what they had done throughout the course of the first, I guess, four quarters going into overtime. And just, I mean – yeah, the execution wasn't there. Um, but And they also froze him on two different occasions. They had one play call, Saban called a timeout, didn't like what he saw. Came back out, he said they had the advantage. Michigan called the timeout. So they're three play calls deep. Their first, their top two options aren't there because they came out, lined up, Michigan saw what they were going to do. So they're on their third option in a red zone situation, which you don't love to see, obviously, if you're them. You want to go with your first or your second. Um, but at the same time, uh, like you said, it was could have gone differently. Uh, they expected it to probably have gone differently. And from the broadcast, without knowing that stuff, any regular fan would probably say, what are you doing? Yeah. Why did you run up the middle? There's nothing there. Um, but like you said, mis- props to Michigan's defense too. Yeah, I, I would say even as an Auburn fan, that was a beautiful play call. Looking at how open the running back was, because Michigan was a man, the the linebacker that had that was covering the running back was in the he was he was blitzing. Mm-hmm. So the back was wide open. Beautiful yeah. play call, awful execution. And, and it my- also had worked. It had worked the majority of the game. Milrow on his legs is what was working. It was never Milrow in the pocket unless he was throwing for 60 yards. It was Milrow on his feet. If he was scrambling, he was probably gonna find a running back or a check down or something close. Um, but once he got going. Um, that was when you wanted to see it. So to start in the shotgun and just move like that, um, it was a t- tough scene for Bama. But 
like I said, props to Michigan's defense. They've been good all year. They proved it. And like you said, it was odd to not feel confident in Michigan based off what they had done against Bama so far. But for me, I wasn't confident in what Bama was doing either. They had just had a lackluster drive with a minute left. You thought they would go do something like they had all year, but they didn't. They never really got into the swing that they usually do, uh, which was the stalling factor for me. I just blame that on the center. You know what I'm saying? They, they're up a touchdown or so. About to, you know, you, all, all you need is three, and then the center pins them back 10 yards and then does it again. And it's like, what are they doing? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just it's a tough watch because I don't I didn't trust you know I don't trust that Alabama football team. I trust the brand. I trust the brand. What they've done, exactly like historically, and just knowing like we have that confidence of oh we're Alabama. Like look, you know what I'm saying? Like even like even when they play against us, obviously they're we were a bad team this past year with the football team. They just they just did Bama things, and Bama things just happened to happen like like the two muff punts. The muff, um, you know, the special teams was just, you know, yeah, it felt like Michigan was doing everything in their power to give Bama the best shot they could to win. Bama does. And I think, I think the brand scares people. Yeah. But uh, like I said, props, props to Michigan. Like you said, props to Michigan. And it was a great game. I want to transition over to the bowl games. Um, you know, this is going to throw you off top. This is off top a little bit, but there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Big Ten, SEC. And we saw the runner up of the Big Ten, Iowa, put up zero against Tennessee, who's probably ranked fourth, fifth in the SEC. I mean, SEC just means more. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're not going to talk about our game much. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> you know, Hank Brown, run up for Heisman, Dark Horse next year. Uh, but I just think the SEC just means more. I just want to talk about how the Big Ten's runner-up scored a goose egg against a Tennessee team they didn't have their starting quarterback. Yeah, right. And there was another team, too, in uh, the SEC that happened to skunk somebody in their bowl game. Um, and we have a man on this podcast who has been pretty, um, I don't know, confident in his take on the on this team that was beat oh, um, in this game. And this was Georgia versus Florida State. Um I don't remember the final score, but I do remember it was a lot, a lot, a lot to not, not a lot. I think it was what, 64 to three, 66 to three. You got 60 balled in the state of Florida. Yeah. Then see my sippy cup real quick. <laughs> you sit that boy. Who got the juice? You know what I'm saying? We got the juice apparently, but <laughs> SEC just means more. And I try to, I try to tell people, uh, I told you on the podcast earlier, FSU, I didn't want to see that in the college football playoffs. This has been the, probably one of the best college football playoffs that they've had in, the, in both semifinal final games in the, probably in its existence. You know what I'm saying? Usually, you get a cupcake game that first game. You got blowouts. No matter who it is, like, whoever's playing the SEC team usually just gets blown out. And yep. I didn't want to see that this year. You think FSU would have competed with anybody? You know nope. what I'm saying? And obviously, they couldn't compete with the Georgia team. I don't care how, many, evident. I don't, I don't care how many starters you had out at the end of the day you can score more than three points yeah if you're that good if you claim to be that good if your legislature is fighting for you to get in this college football playoff if you say that you can if you beat georgia you're the national champions even though you're not even in the college football playoff you should score more than three points that's my auburn Auburn university was six finished season six and seven they had georgia down a touchdown 
or three points, whatever you want to call it. We had them down in possession at Jordan Hare. We ended up losing 27 to 20 or whatever. Six and seven. We never touched the top 25. But the number five team in the nation scores three points, but lets up 63. That, that's unexplainable. That's, yeah. that's unexplainable. You know what I'm saying? And FSU said that they, they deserve to be in the bowl game. I mean, they deserve to be in the uh, college football playoffs. At the end of the day, it's about viewership. It's about money, obviously. And it's the four best teams. Mm-hmm. Did they put the four best teams in there? No. I think Georgia should have made it over Bama. That would have been my four best teams. But at the end of the day, FSU was never one of the four best teams. Yeah. Obviously, they lost their starting quarterback. You just can't throw a team with a third-string quarterback in the college football playoffs and be like, oh, we're fine. You know what I'm saying? We saw that Louisville game. We didn't want to watch that. We didn't want to, we didn't want to repeat that. So the college right. – like, the committee got so much heat for – taking them out of the football playoffs. But at the end of the day, they went to bet against Georgia. And it just shows, like, they had a chance to go undefeated. They had a chance to, to write, rewrite history for themselves in the program. And with 14-0, 13-0 on at stake, they scored three points. Yeah. Embarrassing. Yeah, you just I can't. Want, yeah, I didn't want to see that. And I'm glad that the Comfortable Playoff Committee did that because – they put up three points. It was it was awful. They couldn't even mm. get a foot down. And yeah. they would have ruined a perfect college football playoff. You don't get a more perfect college football playoff than this year. It's so perfect. The teams are so great. You have two undefeated teams that are playing the NAS championship. You got you know, one versus two. How much better can it get? I don't want to I think it's I think it's the most like definely crafted college football playoff that we've seen in the 14 playoffs history. There isn't a bad game. There's no bad matchup. Every matchup, you had to think about it. We were struggling to decide who we were even going to pick to win on a casual basis, much less Vegas or somebody else. But, yeah, it's a great pairing, and we've seen that, seeing as we saw two great games on New Year's Day, Um, the first of which we talked about, the second of which Texas versus Washington. Washington came out on top 37-31. and that game unexpectedly came down to the wire. The last minute and a half of the game, just one player getting hurt changed a lot in that last couple minutes. Um, the running back went down when they could have used, when they should have let the clock run. It gave them probably 30 extra seconds. Um, and Texas and Quinn Ewers took them straight down the field, got them in scoring position, had a couple shots at the end zone. Um, but at the end, it was Washington that prevailed. What were your takeaways? What did you? What do you think lost Texas this game? I going into that game, I said it a lot to my friends. I just didn't see, I didn't see obviously it was my southern SEC bias, but I just didn't see the the line pairing. I didn't, I didn't, I just couldn't see. I don't know much about Washington, but I didn't I just didn't see from a uh, on paper standpoint Washington being able to pair up with Texas's offensive line and Texas's defensive line. So I thought that they had the advantage there. I knew Washington had an amazing run game. Um, I watched them; they ran they ran the ball for about two hundred on Oregon in their in their uh, championship for the for their conference. Yeah, so I knew they had an advantage there. But on paper, pairing a team like Texas, who beat Bama, who beat a lot of good teams, uh, whose only loss was in a rivalry against Oklahoma, I just didn't see a Washington team 
whose best win is a, a, a non-defensive Oregon. I just I didn't see the game going like that. And yeah. uh, obviously, Phoenix put on a, a master class. Mm-hmm. Um, threw balls that, you know, as Auburn fans were not used to seeing. Uh, yeah. It was lasers. And it's like he puts them so perfectly in the pocket. It is like it's so precise. Right on the numbers. And their their receiving core is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just but I just didn't see that happening. I I thought it was gonna be, uh, I thought it was gonna be like more like a ten point win for Texas. Yeah. Um, going that I thought Quinn Ewers obviously was gonna put on the master class and which he did for the most the most part. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think I just think the Texas defense didn't step up like I thought they were going to. Um, and a lot of my a lot of my comparison came from watching the Bama Texas game earlier in the season. So yeah. I just wasn't I wasn't impressed by Texas's defense showing letting a, a pack twelve team, which is with an explosive offense, get off like that. Yeah. And I, I expected it to be an extremely high scoring game, which it was the majority of the game. But for Texas, I honestly thought it was the lapses offensively, the times in a game, second, third quarter when they were slower to get moving. They didn't find that momentum. I know the time of possession was very in Washington's favor. I know it was 25 minutes to 15 minutes at one point. When you have the ball for that long, you're going to put up more points. You're going to generate more offense, get into more of a groove. And that was what we didn't see with Texas. And that last drive we did when they were climbing down the field, yours was throwing bombs. You saw that, that fire, that momentum that they're used to playing within that Big 12 style football. Where Washington, I felt like even though Texas was going down and scoring, Washington still had that almost every single possession. Um, They at least drove a little bit, whether they were pinned in their own end zone and coming out of it, um, or if they were somewhere in the middle of the field, they managed to get some yardage. They never really had any three and outs. Uh, Penix, obviously, when you go 29 for 38 for 430 and two touchdowns, like, yes, your offense is going to be on fire. That's one of the greatest performances we've seen from a quarterback numbers wise in college football playoff history. And then when you have two two wide receivers that have 125 yards and a running back that rushes for 50 and two scores like that's winning football. And that's what we saw from Washington on offense. Their defense did what they had to do. They just had to contain, contain, contain. Um, and you were he did do his thing. He also had 380 some odd yards um, and their running game, despite its youth made a major, major impact. Um, but we talked about it before he was press record on this thing. Michael Penix, dude, he is something else. Yeah. Um, and we were, we were talking the Heisman trophy. We were rethinking it just a little bit after last night. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm not going to take away from, um, from Daniels. Jay- I'm gonna take away from Jaden Daniels, but you've taken into consideration the masterclass that Penix Penix has done all season, leading a team to be what 14 and 0 now, undefeated, beating a, a, a non-defensive but good Oregon team twice. It's hard to beat a team twice, and you know he just he makes veteran throws. Obviously, he's a veteran, but masterclass last night. I think someone made an argument. There's, there's a valid argument. So the Heisman is supposed to have a Heisman moment. And with Jaden Daniels being on a team that was never in playoff consideration, you know, after the second, third game of the season, where was his Heisman moment? Phoenix had multiple Heisman moments through the season and obviously a big one last night. And that's just tough. To, uh, uh, he's a pocket QB, an amazing QB, but obviously you just can't, you can't argue the numbers that Jaden Daniels put up, but it, yeah. it, 
if there was a re if, if Heisman if the Heisman Trophy was at the end of the season, Penix wins it obviously. But for the regular season, I'm still gonna stick with the SEC. Yeah, uh, I think if it was chosen yesterday, it would have been a strikingly more competitive like matchup for the award. Um, maybe leaning in Penix's favor just because of. The fact that he's in the playoff, he's got an undefeated team, he's done this, uh, he just dropped 430 yards on a decent defense. Like, he he put up good fight where three weeks ago when the Eisenman was chosen, we hadn't seen him as much. Yeah. Um, where the numbers from Daniels obviously jump off the page and are glaring. Um, I think and- Joe Burrow's Heisman season helped um, Daniels' Heisman season because they're comparing the numbers between the two. That was his only argument is he's having the same season as Joe Burrow with the worst team. Right. Yeah, was having Heisman numbers without Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson around him. That helps. All of fame college-level defense. So, yeah. I mean, you just can't compete with that when you're comparing him to another Heisman winner. But Phoenix, master class. So now national championship in Houston. I think it's going to be a dogfight. What are your thoughts, and who do you think 2024 College Football National Championship, Michigan, Bro. Washington, who's your winner? It's like the, the Mario versus Wario game. You got the, the <laughs> W versus the M. Like, I don't know. Um, I personally don't think. Seeing Michigan's defense line do a dig against Bama, and Bama has one of the best offensive lines. They're an undisciplined but they are one of they they're one of the best blocking offensive lines I've seen in college football outside of Washington's own offensive line. They're great. Um, if they didn't have a defensive line, I would I, I would bet with me I would bet with Washington. Um, I don't I can't see I can't see Washington stopping Michigan's run game. It's going to be another high scoring game, but I don't I just I wasn't blown away with Michigan's receiving core. So I don't think that their receivers get hot. I think the run game gets hot. And I expect the score to be 30s, high 30s, low 40s. And I got Washington. And the reason I got Washington is because, you know, you got the the postseason Heisman in the backfield versus, you know, Michigan. So uh, I, just don't, I just don't see Michigan winning that game. I think you make a good argument, too, on the receivers of Michigan and their inconsistency. That's what I think the difference will be. We saw Michigan really struggle on special teams and on the little things, third and da- third downs, Patterson, or I say Patterson, it's McCarthy. McCarthy putting it right on the numbers and right the numbers. going right through receivers' hands, which you just can't have in a spot like this, um, in games like this, where their run game and their offensive line that are blocking for Blake Corum are tough to stop. If he could do what he did against Bama, it's going to be very, very hard for Washington to stop. But I also don't think, despite how good Michigan's defense is, I don't know that they'll have an answer for Michael Penix in Washington. The receiving core is too good. No one's really been able to stop Penix uh, so far. And like you said, he's the postseason Heisman. Um, For me, it'll be Washington's offense against Michigan's front five, front seven, however many they rush defensive line and it will be how well can Washington contain Michigan's run game if they even can Um, because I think Michigan's run game is just that good but at the end of the day my pick I'm going Washington I got Michael Penix and the gang coming out on top my score prediction I'm gonna go 42 
36, Washington coming out on top in Houston. I like that. I'm going to go. It's going to be a weird score. I'm going to go 42, 37. I don't know how that's going to be at 37. <laughs> we'll I'll see. I'll have that in my head, so we'll see. Huskies all over. Penix. I, he's my postseason Heisman. He'll be the difference maker in this one. Uh, he'll probably walk away with the MVP of the game as well. Um, but if he does anything like he did offensively, like he did against Texas, I think Washington will be in fine, fine shape. You know what time it is. Well, I think I'm getting a knock on my, on my doorbell. Oh. Well, it's the mailman. Ah. I guess we got some questions from the mailbox. We've got mail. We've got mail. We just got a letter. <laughs> I've read it. Who knows? question we got this week is, if every time you walked in a room, you had to make a sound, what would the sound be? You can go first. Every time I walked into a room, what sound would I make? I think it would just have to be the John Cena theme song. I mean, I feel like that's pretty fitting. Walk in. Ba, ba, da, ba. Like, how much more epic could that get? Mine is going to be... Well, you can tell everybody. Aloe Black, who's the man? I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. And, you know, I guess we're going to play every time, so. <laughs> who's the man? This guy's the man. And this guy's got a game to play and a W to go get. Um, Dylan is off to shoot around. Auburn big game tonight. Good luck. Um, and for this episode of Big Talk, you will be able to find it full episodes on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts with short clips on YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, TikTok, and Twitter. Make sure you check it out. Put in the description or in the comments of this video who you think will win the national championship and your score prediction. Championships next week, we've got Washington. Who do you have? That's it for this episode of Big Talk, episode Cinco number five. For Vince, for Dylan, this is Big Talk. We'll see you next time. Peace.